At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook, a Thursday show for you. Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders is going to join us. We will talk Jets previews, Giants previews, sleepers to win the Super Bowl, to win the MVP, what bets he's made. So looking forward to talking to Aaron. Very lucky to have, have him on. Uh, so we will get to football. But we start, obviously, with baseball. As the first iteration of the Subway Series is complete, the Mets win 3-2, an exciting game, led most of the way until, boy, it took five pitches with Scherzer leaving, who just threw uh, a really good game. They actually hit him harder than the stats would indicate. Uh, They put the bat on the ball really well at times, just nothing to show for it. But Scherzer, seven shutout innings, Peterson comes in, four-pitch walk, which he got squeezed on. Uh, a few of those. Could have called a few of those strikes. Next pitch, Torres hits the homeworks 2-2, but the Mets win it in walk-off fashion. Yankees back in action tonight. Minus 220 against the Royals. And the total is 8.5. And, and a former Royal is going to be joining the Yankees as after the game. Uh, the Yankees trade for Andrew Benatendi. Somebody we've been talking about on the show for a while. Somebody... Look, it's not Aaron... It's not Juan Soto. It's not Juan Soto, but... It's a left-handed bat. It's somebody who extends the lineup, and it's somebody whose name is not Joey Gallo. So it's a good start, a good trade for the Yankees. Somebody they needed to just extend this lineup. They really struggled. You know, you saw it against the Astros these past few weeks. You saw it against the Mets. Good right-handed pitching. It gives them trouble. They have a hard time scoring runs, especially with Stanton out. Now again, if George, you know, if George Steinbrenner was alive, especially after two losses to the Mets especially after two losses to the Mets. 
Uh, Soto would be in right field batting third, but it's just not how they do business anymore. But the prospects they gave him for Benatendi, it's none of the big names we've heard. It's it's uh, Beck, it's Champlain, one other guy. I guess it's just three sort of middling prospects, guys with good arms that throw hard, but it's nobody ever heard of. So uh, a good trade by all accounts from the Yankees helps their team. And uh, I do think this is a fair question. As great as Soto is, this is a fair question. And tonight for the Yankees, uh, like I said, minus 220, total 8.5. I would lean towards, I would look towards a prop. I just don't want to lay that type of price. You know, Yankees to score first is minus 115 at Bet Rivers. Now they're batting second, but that would probably be the way I would go here uh, with the Yankees. Um, you know, but back to the Benatendi trade. As much as you want Soto, as much as you want, as great as he is, as young as he is, and down the road, the Soto is the best move because he's 23, 24. So that would be the best move for the franchise. But just in terms of this year, if you could only have Soto or you could have Benatendi and Castillo. Now, look, they haven't gotten Castillo yet. But with the, sh the shape their pitching is in, you might be in better shape with Benatendi and Castillo. Plug two holes, even though Benatendi's obviously nowhere near the play so player Soto is. He's a big-time player uh, in terms of you know, he's played in Boston. He's played in big games. He's gotten big hits. Made that great catch 2018 ALCS to save the game. Go YouTube it if you forget it. So he's a big time player. He is a, a you know high average, high on base, left-handed, which you like in Yankee Stadium. He really extends this lineup, fills a need, and uh, the Yankees need some need some more moves because this is not enough. They clearly need some relief pitching. You saw that last night. Both teams need relief pitching. The Mets, who we will get to here, and the Mets uh, quietly look up and. What was a half a game lead on Sunday is now a four game lead in the loss column. Mets are in very good shape to win this division. We'll get to the Mets. They could use some relief pitchers and a bat as well. But Yankees are still not done here because they need Castillo because the pitching is just as great as it was for most of the year with Severino hurt. And we don't really know about his status. You can't really count on him anymore. For uh, Montgomery, been shaky. Tyone's been shaky. Cortez is good, not great. Cole was outstanding, we know. Yankees need another pitcher. Yankees need a one-two punch. They need a Castillo. They need somebody they can pitch in game two. If, God forbid, you get into a playoff series and you lose game one. Boy, do you really trust Cortez pitching that game one, game two down one nothing? I would be shaky about it. Now, I'm not crazy about pitching Castillo down one nothing. I want to be down one nothing at all. But I think you need that second pitcher. You need to upgrade the pitching. And if nothing else, keep him off Toronto. Keep him off Houston. Do you really want to see a Toronto team that has... Uh, a lot of explosiveness. They struggle with pitching. Do you want to see them in a series where Castillo is facing a 1-1 in Game 3 of a series? Or, you know, 2-2 two -two Game 5 against the Astros, and he's on the Astros or the Dodgers? You get the point. You want to keep Castillo away from another team and add him to your team. So it's a two-prong effect. Whether it's giving up Peraza, whoever you got to give up. I think if you add Peraza, if you add Castillo and you add at least one relief pitcher, they might be in a situation. Their bullpen's such a mess right now. They might add two because, I don't know, Peralta and Luecki and Chapman's a disaster. Uh, they, they just they, they could really use two you know, relief pitchers. I know Roberts has been rumored. One would help. Two would be great. So might, if you're going to go in, might as well go all in. I mean, you don't get too many chances to win a championship. You look around the landscape of the league. Yankees are flawed, but so are the Mets with their pitching. You know, they're, they need a bat. The Dodgers have lost back-to-back -back games against the Nationals this week. The Astros got swept by the A's. Look, the, the Dodgers are great. The Astros are great. I would say very good, not great. The Dodgers have a great lineup. They don't have great pitching. And the Astros, obviously, a very good team. Maybe the best, you know, well-balanced team in the league. But the bottom line is, if you get Castillo, you get relievers, this is a year where you can win it all. There's not a dominant team that you can't beat. So now's the time to go for it if, the, if you're the Yankees. Uh, I think Benintendi was a great move. 
kind of takes the sting out of losing these two games because you could get the sense Yankee fans were getting annoyed. Not as much losing to the Mets, although that annoys them. And there's this funny dynamic between the fans of the Yankees and the Mets where Mets beat the Yankees. Mets fans are obviously excited. You're winning the game. You're in a pennant race. You like beating the Yankees. And then Yankee fans sort of mock the Mets fans for being too excited for winning games in July and almost act uh, the Yankee fans do like they're above these games like hey it means more to you than it does to us so there's a little bit of a dynamic with that i will say this the mets caught the yankees at a very good time here uh just that part of the, the pitching where you didn't have to face cole you didn't have to face cortez you got herman and you got montgomery so you got sort of the back end of the rotation and and herman didn't pitch a terrible game last night kept him in the game but you caught, caught them at a good time in terms of their rotation with stanton being hurt king snapping his elbow severino being hurt and you can say, well, Severino, Stanton, they're injury prone. Mets have guys that are hurt. That's an argument. I, I totally agree with that. But I would just say, look, if you played the Yankees two weeks ago, they had Stanton, King, and Severino. So, you know, you caught the caught the Yankees here in a situation where they're kind of limping into the series. And he took advantage. He won two games. Uh, a great job. Four up in the loss column now. So those games are fun. I thought, you know, I, I just didn't love the way Boone handled the end of that game. Bringing a lefty to pitch to Escobar. He's much better from the right side than he is from the left side. You didn't like that. Pitching to Marte, I thought was shaky with the, a base open. Just, you know, bases loaded. I know you're worried about a walker hit by pitch, but I would prefer to create a force at any base where if somebody, you know, hits a slow roller, you can throw it home. But again, Marte gets a base hit. Yankees have certainly slumped here. They've been a 500 team for uh, about a month or so now. So they, they've certainly shown their flaws. They've certainly regressed. We expected them to regress, and they have. But I think a little bit of the sting of these two games this last month or so has been taken away by the fact that Ben Attendee walks in, and I would think he would play tonight. I don't see why not. I mean, the Royals were in New York, flying to New York. They played in Anaheim yesterday, so he's with the team. Usually with these trades, it takes a day or two because these guys, you know, they got to travel. They got to get cleared. And that's another thing we should mention with the vaccine. It sounds like Benintendi, who's not vaccinated, will get vaccinated so he can play in the Toronto games because the Blue Jays were also after him. So you wouldn't think, I mean, the Blue Jays aren't going to trade for him if, he, if the idea is he's not going to get vaccinated. So, uh, boy, it's going to annoy the Royals. He wouldn't get vaccinated for us, but you'll get vaccinated for these other teams. That's got to annoy him. But the Yankees now, I would think Benintendi would play, I think is what I was saying. Benintendi is with the team, so you could just walk over him. They're in New York. You could just switch clubhouses put on a different uniform i mean he's got to pass the physical and all but you would think he'd be in the lineup tonight batting i don't know sixth seventh six fifth maybe with stanton higher he hits higher than you know he bats higher than six but uh, i would think he's right around a six guy you could bat him anywhere you can bat him higher in the lineup but that whole lemayhew rizzo judge he's not going to crack that but with stanton out maybe it's a little higher but you know, middle of the lineup, down towards the end, that middle third of the lineup, I, I would say, is where he's going to hit sixth, I think, is the a good spot for him. And look, good average, good on base, played in the big game, good move for the Yankees, a, new, a move they need to make. They are plus 340 to win the World Series at Bet River. Still the short shots, co-short shots with the Dodgers, who are also plus 340. I don't like that price. They have too many flaws right now. I mean, even with Benatendi, they have too many flaws. I'm sorry, plus 350. Dodgers are plus 350 as well. Houston plus 350. Braves are 7-1. Mets are 8-1. So uh, Yankees play tonight. I would expect them to win. I think you get them to score first at a cheap price. I would take Yankees to score first at Bet Rivers. They are offering, as usual, just a bunch of props, 122 props on this game. So you can bet over-under tie-own strikeouts at 5.5. You can bet 
first team to score. Will there be a run in the first inning? So a lot of options. A huge menu is always at Bet Rivers. So that's sort of the Yankee side of it. The Mets side of it, we mentioned. And this is what you like about the Mets. They, they got some toughness. They've got some karma, and they've got some toughness. Because Sunday morning, this lead was a half a game. It was once 10 and a half. It was down to a half. And Atlanta was playing the Angels. And the Mets were playing Musgrove, who's an all-star pitcher. So it was very conceivable. You wake up Sunday morning and say, you know what? By the time you go to bed, Mets are going to be in second place. Similar to when they played the Braves a couple weeks ago. And it looked like, you know what? If we get swept, we're in second place. And every time the Braves have sort of inched closed and started to land some body blows, the Mets have counterpunched. And now you look up, and it is a four-game lead in the loss column. Remember, you can't make up another team's losses. The loss column is key. Uh, the Mets are off today. But a four-game lead in the loss column is a lot of breathing room. It is a good cushion. The next six games for the Mets, three against Miami in Miami, and then three in Washington. They do have to face Alcantara. Seems like they never miss him, but hey, that's part of it. Caught a little break with the Yankee pitchers. You get a little unlucky facing Alcantara seemingly every time you play the Marlins. But three against the Marlins, three against the Nationals before the five-game showdown against Atlanta. So you figure, hey, just be conservative. Two out of three against uh, yeah, two out of three against Miami, two out of three against Washington. And boy, you'd really like to sweep Washington. You never count on a sweep. But let's just call it four and two over the next six games. You figure you hold ground with whatever Atlanta does. And you walk into that five-game series against Atlanta right where you are now. Maybe even a game better. Maybe you're up five in the lost column. I would think you'd be up at least four in the lost column. But let's just call it you know, somewhere between four and five. That sets up a situation where you have a five-game series against Atlanta. And Atlanta gets the Diamondbacks, then the Phillies again before that Mets series, which starts a week from today, next Thursday. Let's just say you're up four. You win three out of five. You just win the series, nothing crazy, but you win three out of five at home. Then you're up five in the loss, and you ticked off a bunch of games. You know, you checked off a bunch of games you don't have to play. Now you're down to seven head-to-head -head with a five-game lead. That's a situation where these teams are so good, so evenly matched, where if you get this thing to five, six, it's going to be very hard for the Braves, who caught the Mets once, essentially. You know, you, you cut the 10.5 down to a half. Once this thing gets up to 5 or 6 again, that's asking a lot to cut it again down to 0. So Mets are in very good shape. I think the Mets are going to win the division. I think the Mets are going to win the division. I know I said that earlier in the year. That as the Braves got closer, I said, you know what? It's going to be a photo finish. It still might be, but the Mets are in very good shape here to win the division. A four-game lead in the loss column is significant. Mets schedule is easier coming up. Sounds like DeGrom's next start is going to be for the Mets. Showalter said that after the game, uh, He, which is encouraging. And you don't worry about the results because I went to watch Scherzer pitch against the Yard Goats, his last rehab start, and he gave up some hits. And you say, oh, boy, I wonder if he's healthy. I wonder if he's going to do okay. And he's been brilliant since he came off the I.L., outstanding pitch his first start in Cincinnati 11 strikeouts no runs he's been great he was great against the Braves the next start but so you don't worry too much about the results in rehab games but DeGrom was not throwing hard by his standards 95 96 uh, and gave up a few homers I think a couple homers in the same inning in his AAA start yesterday so you worry or you wonder hey is he 100% is his arm okay because for all the rehab starts in all the you know simulated games the minor league stints, he was throwing 100, 101, striking out everybody. So now it's a situation where he's only throwing 95, 96. You, you just worry from a health standpoint. Uh, you, know, you know, maybe he was dialing it back. Maybe he was just not ramping it up. Maybe, who knows? But uh, you'd like to get him back, obviously. 
I mean, look, it's it's been long enough. The Lakers were the NBA champions. I, I tweeted this yesterday. The Lakers were the NBA champions the last time Jacob DeGrom threw a pitch in the major league. So it's been a while. The velocity is a little concerning, but as long as he feels good, uh, you should be in good shape here to get him back in the rotation, pitch against the Nationals, and that would line him up to pitch against the Braves some point next weekend. And if you're the Mets, hey, it's perfect. You get him back, just like we talked about, where I think we said this back in April. Hey, if you can get DeGrom, uh, DeGrom back August 1st and have a three or four game lead, you'd be happy. It's right around those numbers. It's really kind of funny. So all good things for the Mets. Certainly you can need some relief pitching. Uh, that was a tough way to you know, blow Scherzer's win last night. But look, you win the game. Certainly need a reliever or two. Anyone outside of Diaz, and I guess Adovino you can trust a little, but any, anyone outside of those two guys, it's really hard to trust the Mets' relief pitching. These teams, both these teams certainly have flaws. Mets certainly need another bat, whether it's Brandon Drury, whoever. But you can find relief pitching at the deadline. Mets, like the Yankees, are going to be very aggressive. They haven't won in a while. Uh, they are... They have an aggressive owner. The money's not an issue. So should be a fun deadline. Deadline is what? Tuesday? So we're going to have some fun here the next, this next week. It'll be a fun weekend. So I think, you know, we'll have a bunch of moves right before the deadline. But some of the moves will trickle in this weekend. Some people trying to beat these guys, beat the other teams to the punch. Say, hey, if I'm going to give up these prospects, I want them for the extra two or three games. I don't want to have to wait until Tuesday to the trade deadline. I want them all weekend. I want them for every game I can get them. So whoever I'm trading for. So should be fun. Should get some trades uh, should, should get a lot of trades. I think they'll start to to pour in this weekend and up until Tuesday, which is always a fun day. So we'll cover it all for you. That is the baseball. Of course, Mets are off tonight. Yankees and the Royals. Yankees are a big favorite. I would think they would bounce back and play well against the Royals. The problem for the Yankees is not beating the Royals or the Guardians or the Tigers. It's you know, when they step up in competition and play the Astros and the Mets and these better teams. So uh, Yankees do take a step in the right direction, adding Ben Attendee. And I'm sure there are more moves to come. So that is the baseball. But coming up next, Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders. Who is the best sleeper bet to win the Super Bowl, the MVP? How will the Jets and Giants be? Maybe better than you think. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Must be 21 or older. Available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. Let's talk a little NFL. Our next guest, look, it's it's pretty simple here. If he writes something, you should read it. If he does a podcast, you should listen to it. He is from Football Outsiders, the Football Outsiders podcast, the Football Outsiders Almanac 2022, which is out now. It is the great Aaron Schatz. Aaron, what's up, man? Thanks for coming back on. Thank you so much for those kind words. I really appreciate it, and it's good to be here going to put you right on the spot here, right right into the fire. What odds would you need if I said Jets or Giants, you get either one of them, you get both of them, to be 500 or better December 1st? What, what odds would you need? I mean, honestly, chances of things like that are always better than you think they are. I'd say there's like a 30 to 40% chance that those are both, that one, that one or the other will be 500 on December 1st. 
Yeah, which doesn't sound like a lot, but look, it's been a long time with these teams in the playoffs. Jets haven't been there since the 2010 AFC title game. Giants haven't won a playoff game since the 2011 Super Bowl versus the, uh, the Patriots. So even being in the hunt in December, uh, I think would be a big step forward for either one of these teams. I guess we could start with the Jets. Uh, when you went over them with your projections, you know what did you come out with? Obviously, there's some talent. The quarterback's a big issue. What do you think about the Jets here coming up this season? Yeah, now I'll note that our projections are notoriously conservative in that our simulations always have an average closer to 500 than you expect. And this year's simulations came out even more conservative than usual. So when I say that the Jets average 7.4 wins in our simulations, that sounds better than it actually is because that's actually 29th in the league. Wow. Interesting. So seven point, you said 7.4, but 29th in the league. So you have everybody pretty, but who's your worst team? The Giants. Okay. Okay. We'll get to them. Okay. Um, you know, with the Jets, do you see what's the path here that they're competitive? Is it just Wilson being better? I think they've got some decent skill players. They've got some pass rushers. Worry about the secondary, certainly worry about the quarterback. What's kind of your general takeaway here with the Jets? Oh, there's actually a very clear narrative as far as how they can compete. I mean, first of all, uh, the quarterback turns it around. How, you know, that's not a hard narrative to understand. He's a number two overall pick for a reason. He was terrible last year. If he suddenly becomes average or better, that is a colossal step forward. There's no question they have surrounded him with talent. The offensive line is reasonable. The running backs, Brees Hall is our, is our favorite prospect in this year's running uh, back class. Uh, our back cast projection system, he had the fourth highest projection of all time. Uh, their receivers, they've got good receivers and some receiver depth. Like, it's really all on Wilson's shoulders. And then on defense, uh, we actually have their defense projected to be above average. We love the additions they've made, plus they're getting guys back from injury, right? LaMarcus Joyner and Carl Lawson are coming back from missing basically the entire year, uh, the entire year in Lawson's case, almost the entire year in Joyner's case. And Robert Sala, you know, it, it's not hard to imagine him coordinating a very good defense because we've seen him do it already in San Francisco. So um, it's not hard to tell the story of how the Jets turn things around and become a competitive team. It really just, there's so many eggs in the Zach Wilson basket they really need him to be good. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of like he's the only thing that matters, so to speak, and that's the biggest question because, like you said, like there's some skill players, there's some pass rushers, but all of it can kind of be undone if Wilson doesn't, uh, you know, perform up to expectations. If he has another bad year, would you expect them to be drafting a quarterback next April? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I. Agree. I mean, I, I mean, uh, I would put it this way. I would. To, to right. me, you've got two years to prove yourself as a quarterback in the NFL. It is very rare to find a quarterback who is below replacement level in years one and two as a starter and then develops into something reasonable. Right. Uh, Alex Smith did. Uh, Josh Allen certainly did. But Josh Allen was like at replacement level in year two and had clearly improved from year one to year two. Uh, I think you know after two years what you've got. If he's not above replacement level, not necessarily average, but at least above what we call replacement level, which is like minus 13.3% in our DVOA ratings, 
like you you move on to the next guy you got to draft someone else now they won't do this they invested so much in wilson in terms of you know the number two pick overall but if you put garoppolo on this team and then you have to give up anything fifth sixth round pick basically you can have him for free how do you think that would change your outlook on the Jets if you put Garoppolo on this team? I think if Garoppolo was the quarterback of this team, they would absolutely be a wild card contender. Wow. But is that what they're trying to build? No. Are they it, trying it's to build a team it. that can go 10-7 and seven and get blown out by the Buffalo Bills in the first round? Like, no. They, they want to build something bigger than that. And trading for Garoppolo is not going to get you something bigger than that. Plus, if Wilson goes on to be a star somewhere else, even if there's a 30% chance of this, and you you know you get rid of him or you uh, move on in, in order, like you said, to be a wild card team, that's not the idea. It's not worth it. Yeah, um, I understand Josh Rosen and what Arizona did with Kyler Murray, but usually you do not move on from rookie quarterbacks after one year, no matter how bad they are. Rosen was yeah. like the worst one ever, but for the most part, there are plenty of guys who've been horrible in their first year and turn it around. There also have been plenty of guys who have been horrible in their first year and never turned it around. So it's not that it's likely, it's that it's definitely possible. Uh, what are your thoughts here on the Giants? I guess I, I, if I'm trying to make the case for them, they had so many injuries last year. Obviously, the coaching's an issue. You bring in Dayball, you're healthier. It's an easier conference. It's an easier division. You figure Dallas forcing 34 turnovers probably doesn't uh, duplicate. Could I talk you into the Giants? What do your projections say about uh, the New York football Giants? Here's how I would summarize the Giants. We don't like their roster, and we don't think they do either. Like, this is not about Brian Dable or Joe Shine. Shone, Shine, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Shine. You're in the ballpark. Neighborhood play. Um, we believe in them. We believe in what Buffalo did with uh, McDermott and Bean. And we believe that these guys learned from that. And we have faith in them in the future. We do not like the Giants roster as it is now. Daniel, remember what I said about Zach Wilson and below replacement level for two years? Daniel Jones has been below replacement level for three years. Okay, guys, it just doesn't. For him to turn around would be pretty much unprecedented. Um, for a quarterback to start regularly for three years and be that bad and become a star would be unprecedented. Um, I know that they had injuries. They still, their units don't really look that great. They, you know, there's no unit that looks particularly strong. I mean, I guess their strongest unit is receiver in that, you know, they can trade away Darius Slayton if they want to, because they've got Tony and they've got Wendale Robinson, who we like, and Sterling Shepard and, and um, Galladay, but, uh, you know, having to get rid of Bradbury was bad. They didn't really replace him. It's just not a good roster. It's a good front office. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think the case for them, again, it, it, at least it, as opposed to the Jets, you're in a better division. There's probably, you know, there's usually one out of nowhere. Our numbers team. like the Eagles a lot. Really? Okay. Yeah, and we, they still like the Dallas Cowboys. Remember, the Dallas Cowboys were number one in our numbers last year. Yes, they're going to regress some, especially when it comes to takeaways. But, you know, we like Dallas and we like Philadelphia. We do not think this is a terrible division. The AFC South is what we think is a bad division, not the NFC East. Interesting. Uh, what would be your favorite season win total bet over under wins? Uh, just looking at the numbers, is there anyone that really jumps out where you say, you know what, Th this is one I feel really confident about? 
I think I'm looking at dated numbers right now. It says it was updated today. I don't believe it because it says Philadelphia 8.5. So that would be the answer if Philadelphia really was 8.5, but I don't think they are. New Orleans at 7.5 would probably be my answer. Over, right? Over 7.5 for the New Orleans Saints, yeah. Yeah, that would be a good number. I agree. I think they'll be better. How about an under? You like any unders? Uh, our numbers are not very high on the Arizona Cardinals this year, under nine and a half. And then also, I would say this is a tough one because they keep outperforming their underlying numbers and winning 13 games. But, you know, with Devontae Adams gone, and if their luck is regular instead of the really good luck they've had the last couple of years, I would say suggest going Packers under 11 and a half. 11 and a half yeah. is a high number. And yeah, no, it, it, it totally is. Tough they schedule, first win place. The division and go under. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I know there's a lot of Lions buzz, and I think people make the mistake. They look at these teams in July, August. Everyone's had a great draft. Everyone's had a great training camp. Everyone's healthy. You know, nobody thinks October, you know what? I'm going to be missing three offensive linemen. My quarterback's going to roll his ankle. He's going to miss two or three games. So it's easy to look at these teams in the best light and paint the best picture. But the reality is uh, there's a lot of injuries. Quarterbacks are going to miss time. Offensive line, you know, you're going to have uh, things are going to happen, which, you know, fans don't always take into account. Fans tend to be optimistic and, and bet the over on their favorite teams. Yeah, I mean, the fact is we don't know what teams those things are going to happen to, but they've already started happening to the Green Bay Packers. I mean, David Bakhtiari is starting training camp on PUP. Elton Jenkins may not play for the first few weeks of the season. Or it's already starting for them. Uh, if I gave you 100 bucks, just odds to win the Super Bowl, and said, you know what, what's the best bet odds to win the Super Bowl? Who would you go with? Probably the Philadelphia Eagles. Interesting. They have the easiest projected schedule in the league by our numbers. They were good last year, but we really like the additions they've made, the talent additions they've made. A.J. Brown, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham coming back from injury, James Bradbury. I don't know why every interview I do about this book, I mention Brandon Graham first before Bradbury because Bradbury is an addition and Graham is just a guy coming back from injury. Of course. I don't know why I always switch those two, but I do. Uh, we like a lot of the stuff. I like their coaching staff. Um, like I said, easiest projected schedule. I think uh, right now where I'm looking, it's got the Philadelphia Eagles at plus 4,000. That would definitely be my favorite Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl odds. And you believe in Hurts? We're not sure if we believe yeah. in Hurts, but they've put a lot of good stuff around him. Yeah, he's both better than I thought he would be, but I'm st I still question whether he's good enough. A lot of his production, as I'm sure you know, I think came. That's in. a legitimate take on Hertz. Better than we thought he would be, but we're still not sure he's good enough. I think that's a good take. Yeah, just because a lot of that production. I mean, I think back to the Tampa game in the playoffs where they're down. I think 31 nothing in the fourth quarter, and then they you know get a couple touchdowns to make it look better. There was a lot of that with Hertz, where a, a lot of the production came. Uh, you know, in the second half, late in the games. Yeah, but Eagles Eagles are a top 10 projected offense and defense in DVOA. They're the number six projected overall team in DVOA and third in average wins because of that schedule. 
Um, I heard you on, on the podcast, on your podcast, Football Outsiders Podcast, that you like the Jaguars, and I'm kind of with you. I think they're 4-1 to one to make the playoffs, plus 650 to win the South. If Lawrence is 80% as good as you know we thought he would be, which I don't know that he is, uh, you know, you get a bump in the coaching. If you're going to surprise, that's a good division to do it. Tennessee's kind of a mess with their receivers. Uh, sell us here on the Jaguars. Yeah, okay. So uh, what's going on with the Jaguars' opponents is numbers-based. What I feel about the Jaguars themselves is I will fully admit emotional and subjective. Okay, we have the entire AFC South has an average projection below 500. The numbers are not kind to Matt Ryan. Um, you know, the Colts, the, Jonathan Taylor is not going to repeat what he did last year. Uh, the Titans were not anywhere near as good as their record last year. And then all we heard about the Titans last year was, yeah, but you have to only consider their offense when they have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. And now they have neither of them. So that's a problem. And Houston is beige. So, yay. Um, Jacksonville, here's the subjective story is, look, if Urban Meyer really was like the worst coach in NFL history, I mean, that's not something we have numbers for. But if we really believe he may have been the worst coach in NFL history, replacing him with an above average coach, a guy who's got a Super Bowl championship on his resume, that is an absurd, ridiculously good upgrade. Plus, that then feeds to Lawrence, who let's let's remember was the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And almost guaranteed to perform better than he did last year, right? Like Mac Jones was the best of the rookie quarterbacks last year, no question. But who would you take right now going forward, Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence? It's a great question. Boy, it's a great question. I'm higher on Jones than I think a lot of people are. I think I would still go Lawrence by a smidge, but you could talk me into Jones. I'm a Patriots fan, and I would go with Lawrence. Like, I have reasons to love Mac Jones. And I, you know, his numbers were great last year. But based on the underlying talent, you would still go with Lawrence going forward. And so that is my sort of subjective emotional reason why the Jaguars are a good bet to win the AFC South. They're not necessarily going to win it with a good record. They could win it at 9-8, and eight, but, you know, to win it. Yeah, and stuff that sounds crazy in July and August, you know, you just go through it every year. There's always a four to one, five to one upset in the division. Somebody always comes out of nowhere. Uh, it's just it's the NFL. It's a short, it's a small sample. There's only 17 games, injuries. There's only and 14 then, you know, in the division. The numbers are gradual in which team is likely to be that team. But let's be honest, some teams you can tell the narrative of how that happens, and other teams you can't. It is really hard to tell the narrative of how the Atlanta, Fac uh, Atlanta Falcons shock everybody and go 11-6 and six and make the playoffs. It is a lot easier to tell the story about how Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars or Zach Wilson and the Jets surprise everybody and goes 11-6 and six and makes the playoffs. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, a couple quick ones before we get you out of here. Any awards that interest you? If I gave you same question with the Super Bowl. If I gave you 100 bucks to bet on MVP, anyone that would jump out at you? Um, probably would still bet on Patrick Mahomes. He's still the best player in the league. Interesting. Anyone else that comes to mind? I thought at Wilson 16 to one. I don't buy the idea that Wilson shot. I think getting good receivers in Denver, getting away from Pete Carroll, a more aggressive offense. I just think that marriage kind of got stale. Uh, I don't know what's the so Prescott Wilson. odds. What are your thoughts on Wilson? While I look up, uh, while I look up. 
Yeah, Prescott. he um he was bad last year when he came back from the finger injury, and then the last few games of the year he was really good again. He was yeah. fabulous in our numbers in the beginning of the year before the finger injury. I think he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league when he's healthy. Yeah, it doesn't run a lot, and the, the books are smart. They put all these quarterbacks. They don't give you a crazy number on the quarterback. So, you know, Prescott sixteen to one, Wilson's in that range fifteen to one, Stafford's fifteen to one, Burrow's twelve to one, Rogers yeah, ten to I, one. Yeah, as much as I like Dallas, I think um, as far as individual talent to make the story to make people vote for you, I would rather Wilson at fifteen to one than Prescott at sixteen to one. Are we ever going to get a non-quarterback win this award ever again? It feels like if Cup couldn't win it last year, it's just going to be very hard for a non-quarterback to ever win it with the word valuable in it and how important passing is. Uh, well, I'm one of the voters. And uh, for those who don't know, I'm actually one of the 50 AP MVP voters. And I can't imagine ever voting for anyone other than a quarterback. What we do, and I'm not the only one who does this clearly because this is how this award has been given the last couple of years, is the MVP is for the best quarterback. Offensive player of the year is for the best other offensive player. And then defensive player of the year is for the best defensive player. It's just the quarterback is so important. Brian Burke from ESPN once said to me, and this is really true, football is in some ways a combination of an individual sport with a team sport because the quarterback has so much control over the offense. Yeah, good way of putting it. It's fascinating. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Vikings fan, and the last non-quarterback to win was Peterson. I remember that year. The two, It was 2012. They went Nine out yards, and what? I always remember they went to interview him at the end of the game, the last game of the season, and they said, so you're nine yards. And he said, nine yards what? He, did, he had no idea that he was close to Dickerson's record. I was so happy they made the playoffs, but then they turned around. Remember, they beat the Packers to get in last second field goal. I think that was actually Blair Walsh, who was a good kicker before Seattle got to him. They beat Green Bay at home. They turn around, they play Green Bay again Saturday night, and it's like Peterson couldn't do anything. Rodgers was great, and it's like who would you rather have, Peterson, who won the MVP, or Rodgers? It's not even close. If they switch teams, you know, you'd be in better situation with Rodgers. It's just it's hard to vote for a non-quarterback. Yeah, jo Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor had the fourth best rushing season in our numbers. Cooper Cup had the best wide receiver season in our numbers, total value-wise. You know, partly because it was 17 games, but still, number one season. You, there's yeah, no absolutely. way you would take Cooper Cup or Jonathan Taylor over Brady, Rodgers, or Mahomes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last one. Any other awards interest you? Rookie of the year, coach of the year. If you like the Jags, would you take a shot at Peterson? I'm yes. sure he's in the 20-to-1 range. Yes. Uh, anything else jump out at you? Peterson? Peterson for coach of the year, yeah. Give me that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Also, Dan Campbell for Coach of the Year. That's a good one because the Lions have been a buzz team. Are you are you buying the buzz here with Detroit? Uh, that they can go like 8-8-1, eight, eight, yeah. <laughs> and also yeah. Minnesota, you know, uh, Kevin O'Connell, our numbers like Minnesota this year a little bit better than Green Bay, believe it or not. Kevin O'Connell, I don't know what his odds are, but if Minnesota actually wins that division, he'll, he'll win Coach of the Year. I have bet O'Connell at 20-1. to one. Uh, I can't do it again with the Vikings. We do it every year. Everybody, every, is it me or every year? Everyone loves the Vikings. The numbers say they love the Vikings. Then they come out and they're one and three. They lose a bunch of games on on field goals. Maybe getting Zimmer out of there helps. It just seems like I don't know. God hates yeah, the Vikings. No, is that possible? Yeah, I know what you're saying. We were high on the Vikings last year too. Yeah. And that was the only one you got wrong. You were down on Cleveland. That was a win. You were high on Dallas. I remember you doing extremely well. And I, I look for people. Yeah, we were very close. We were, last year was probably our closest year to, of our projections to the actual results. Yeah, we were high. We were high on the Patriots. 
Uh, yep. We were down on Cleveland. We were down on the Chargers. We were, uh, uh, we're down on, uh, you know, and the, the teams we missed are the teams where they played better than their underlying stats, like Tennessee, like Cincinnati, like Las Vegas. Yeah. Aaron, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll catch up down the road. Let everyone know, uh, you know, where they can find the Almanac and what they're getting with it. Yeah, so Football Outsiders Almanac 2022 is over 550 pages of season previews, uh, including our whole simulation of the NFL season with uh, win totals, uh, fantasy football projections, uh, preview of the top 50 NCAA teams, uh, the big book. Now you can buy the actual book itself on Amazon to search for Football Outsiders Almanac 2022, but you also get an electronic version if you are an FO Plus subscriber, along with our picks against the spread and our fantasy football draft tool and our fantasy projections each week. And uh, if you want to be an FO Plus subscriber, go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and there is a 20% off sale that goes until the end of this month. So hurry and get your subscription now. Well worth it. For anyone that's unfamiliar with Aaron's work, and I doubt there's many, but uh, look, anything he writes, you should read it. Anything he does, you should listen to. It helps you make money. It's entertaining. Aaron, appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we'll catch up here down the road. Absolutely, man. I'll talk to you sometime during the season. All right, that'll do it for the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Aaron Schatz. We will be back tomorrow. Mike Sando of The Athletic will discuss his quarterback tiers column. Always enjoy talking to Mike. Always enjoy that column. It's fascinating. It's a lot of fun. So looking forward to that. Maybe we'll get some more trades. We'll do some baseball. So see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, download, subscribe, follow. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.